0: hello welcome to remember the film the podcast where we watch a lot of movies in 2020 but not how we usually watch them uh i'm josh bradley and i'm joined by my co-host jeff grizz ulrich hello and hugo penai hello hello happy new year happy new year happy new year to us all and good riddance 2020 yeah uh yeah yeah <laughs> happy Let's to be hope. here happy happy Let's we're all here it's a bit that's let that's, that's all we can really do is hope i don't want to uh, set said, expectations <laughs>
1: too high for 2021 because it still, only has to be better yeah just it, just which is, better it should not be hard <laughs> it should well, be like, hard i
0: feel like we've had uh this was the worst year ever years for the last like five years in a row so you let's hope so?
1: 2021 breaks the streak i don't well, know the united but states every year been pretty the united bad. states it started in 2016 was yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that I wasn't gonna say that, but that's accurate. That's not inaccurate. Look, so in twenty twenty one we're getting a sequel to the Matrix trilogy. So it's either gonna be the end of the world or the best year ever. That's those I forgot about that's that. representative of it. Well let's not let's not uh <laughs> let's not spoil our next podcast, which will be a twenty twenty one movie talk,
0: so let's <clears throat> let's look to the past at twenty twenty. Um yeah, uh I, I did I saw fewer movies in twenty twenty than I normally do and I think that's understandable, given I couldn't go to a the theater for f- four
1: fifths of the year. What about you guys? I watched more movies in 2020 than in any previous year of my life, but only like three wow. of them were in theater.
0: <laughs> well, how many of those? How many of those were 2020 releases? Did you watch more
1: movies released this year than you did in past no, years? No, uh, in fact. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll just pull it up real quick because I have it right here. Uh, for 2020, I watched 55 uh, films, shorts, and specials released in 2020. Uh, in 2019, I watched 82. So... Oh,
2: dang. <laughs> still a lot, though. I mean, still pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: For me, I watched pretty much the same amount of movies that I have seen last year. I, I usually keep a list on, letter- on my letterbox on how many mm-hmm. movies I see that I haven't seen before that year. And yeah, last year was 150. Seven, and this year's so 160-something. So it's it's pretty similar. But um, what did happen is they ended up watching a, a lot, a lot less of new films. I, and I think sure. there's two reasons. One, first of all, a lot of movies weren't available because mm-hmm. Italy. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have some of the streaming services and some movies were still set to release in theatres but I didn't want to go to theatres because of the pandemic even if the theatres were open so they wouldn't go on VOD some movies were just delayed in 2021 even though they already came out in the US that sort of thing um, but the, I think the main reason for me at least is that it, it was harder for me to get excited about a, a film mm. just because it was new because for me half, well possibly more than half of the enjoyment of seeing a new film is going to see it at the cinema um, and if I'm sitting at yeah. home and watching a movie on my TV, I just might as well watch one of the hundreds of movies that I have on my watch list anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? I
0: definitely wasn't, like, rushing to watch some of the things that debut on streaming, with, with very little exception. There was maybe one or two movies this year that I was of on the days till it was going to be dropped on Netflix or Amazon or whatever and, like, watched it that day. Um, yeah. And I think they both are in my top five, which we'll <laughs> talk about later, That's so I won't,
2: I won't yeah. say what they are yet. Yeah, for me, um, for me, it was yeah. two or three as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I, let's see, I'm looking at my list now. I watched about 20 movies that were released in 2020, which is down, normally get to at least like 35 or so, way less than Grizz. Grizz sees like 60 new releases a year or something crazy like that. But, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like we can all be forgiven for seeing fewer movies. Well, but And
1: I'll say, with with Letterboxd, you know, a lot of the stuff that I, I, I didn't break it down as as much as you guys did, because that would require more work. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so, like, a lot of the stuff that's included in Letterbox for me is also, like, uh, mini-series. So, like, sure Queen's I Gambit that, yeah. is on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Tiger King is on there because it is technically yes. a documentary. The Last <laughs> Dance. Yeah, The Last Dance, <laughs> yeah, the Last Dance Last is on Dance, there. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I, I have stuff like that on there, which does inflate the, the total entries a little bit. But I did sure. watch yeah. I went out of my way to watch things that I probably never would have watched this year just mm-hmm. so I could watch some new stuff
0: yeah i kind of i I intended to do that
2: but i never really did (laughs) i i uh i uh yeah i should have branched out more um yeah i I guess do that because i like going to the cinema you know i i try to i go out of my way to find movies to see because i like the experience of going but you know watching them at home is just wasn't as enticing for me
0: However, I will say that what, what I liked about, you know, all the movies, like, by necessity, every movie released in 2020 more or less has to be on some kind of streaming platform. Not all, but yeah. most, a lot of the major ones. Um, so whenever I do a year on list, I usually just, like, compile all the movies I watched in 2020 and, like, kind of rank them by how much I like them. And then I just blast those out into the world. And normally I put, like, where you can watch that movie because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of stuff that I've watched that I'm, like, sharing with friends and family they've never heard of. It's like they have no idea how to watch it. So, like, I'll put a little column on my spreadsheet of, like, it's currently streaming on Netflix, it's currently streaming on HBO. And this year, uh, every movie except for one is currently streaming somewhere. So you can watch, of the 20 movies I have, all but The Way Back, are currently streaming somewhere so the way back right, was on so, hbo
1: max like a month ago
0: i think it actually currently is like it wasn't as of when i made my <laughs> list in december but i think it is now so now yeah if all 20 movies in. saw 2020 you can yeah. stream this second at least in the u.s i don't know about
1: i, I gotta tell you josh even Italian Italian before we started doing surface. this podcast i looked forward to your spreadsheet every year <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's great man that's really nice to hear that's awesome. well that's that yeah that's uh thank you for saying that that's very that's very sweet because um, he's right
1: a lot of movies, you know went under the radar the for, even for yeah. me and you know uh so I, I would look forward to josh sharing this Is like okay well if josh really liked these movies i know how i will likely feel about these movies <laughs>
3: uh
0: i'm glad i'm glad you said that because we're gonna be sharing our top threes later in this episode and my number one is a under the radar movie that i don't think either of you have even seen and i doubt no i haven't it, seen it was an underseen movie I so to, yeah can... I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah. Okay, so like I said, we're <laughs> gonna get to our, our, our favorite movies, but can we talk about some disappointments real quick? I don't want to dwell so too much on start? this, but
2: just like, one, one Who per person. Well, okay. Gris, I well, think this, has, so Grace was gonna mention two. Yeah. Well, yeah. So okay. let, let me, let me go ahead so and so say this real quick because
1: I wanted to talk about this. I, I mentioned that this was the most movies I would ever watched in in a year. Uh, I, I have 450 letterboxed entries for in, wow. in calendar wow. year 2020. Uh, of those, 73 of them were uh, shorts. So okay. even yeah. if you take those out, I watched more than one consecutive month of content. Wow. So like if well, I, it's, you know, it, it's, so if it's you pandemic, the large Clockwork Orange,
0: taped your yeah. eyeballs
1: open in a chair, like in yep. Clockwork clock Orange, you would have been there for a month. Okay. <laughs> Cool. But yeah, so... You know, people. When we look back on 2020, a lot of people are going to have a lot of really negative things to say about it, uh, and deservedly so. But for me, I, you know, I had so much fun watching movies this year, and it was also just a good year for me, you know, in terms of improving my personal health and all that stuff. So, you know, I, am a silver linings guy. So, 2020 yeah, you is took you took it in stride. Going to be a great year for me to think about for a long time to come. Uh, And going forward this year, I probably won't watch quite as many, (laughs) because, I mean, it it was a lot to deal with, and, you know, you get to the point where you're watching so many movies that you're choosing to forego other experiences, like TV shows, or watching sporting events, or playing video games, or all these other things that I love, Uh, so I'm going to try for more balance this year. (laughs) But anyway, Balance is good, but also,
0: watching 400 movies is also good, too, so... Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Uh,
2: it, it also kind of makes sense because if you've been locked down for nine months, and you know, I know as you live alone, so what else are you going to do? You're going to watch a bunch of movies. true. Yeah. You know. Uh, I do not live alone, so I, I can I, I was able to watch a hundred movies this year, and that was that
0: was good for me. So yeah. I, I, but told... I also watched
1: a lot of I
0: also watched a lot of The Bachelor too. So you know, balance. Awesome. Like we said, yeah. <laughs> balance. Beautiful. I yeah.
1: told my sister in law that I had watched four hundred at the time i hadn't hit 450 yet when i was talking to her about it but i told her how many movies i'd watched and she said just don't ever get married cuz you'll <laughs> there's no way anyone will allow you to do that <laughs> your, your output does go, that does
0: go down but it's it's good that's a good thing um, um okay so grizz of those hundreds of things and days of content you watched what's uh what's a, one or two things that disappointed you by the so way i, I like I, I, I like to be positive, so like yeah. I don't want to dwell on these too long. Just like one thing that, like you know,
1: well, whatever. and I think that's why for our disappointments, we're not necessarily saying things that we hated, but oh yeah, yeah, things that I mean, it, it happens that I did not like these, but I didn't I didn't go in expecting to hate it, I, you know, or anything like that. Uh, so the first one, I just want to say there are things there are things to recommend. Yes, so. yes. So the, uh, the 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 first one I wanted to talk about was Artemis Fowl, which came out on hmm. Disney Plus. Mm. Uh, At the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the year, Uh, this movie has the bones of a cool universe, a cool story, and you know, like by all accounts, the books are the books very good that this is based on, and so I was going in expecting you know a a kid friendly, you know, sort of mystery, you know, science fiction, you know. I didn't really know what I was getting into. The movie is about magic and, you know, and you know, fey creatures and things like that. And, you know, so, I mean, it's it it sounded like something that would be kind of up my alley and then I came in and it was just, just bad on all fronts. Uh, even like... Uh, much maligned. You you weren't alone yeah, in feeling that way. I, it was very maligned. The reason it's disappointing is because it had a pretty good cast. <laughs> like, People who have been very good in yeah, other movies, and you know. A, under these and like you said, a, a well. popular book, yeah. And a high budget, yeah. And it just, and it, it, even the things that it did well, it like it did well by comparison to how bad everything else was. <laughs> uh, never never a good thing. But yeah, so Artemis Fowl was the first one. That was a disappointment because I actually had high hopes for it. Uh, the other one I wanted to touch okay. on was Songbird. Which just came mm-hmm. out recently. I don't know if you guys are uh, familiar with it. This is a is that a romantic th- drama thing? Yeah,
2: about oh is it that the okay. one with Kumail Nanjiani?
1: No, no. Songbird is that's that's the Lovebirds. That lovebirds. Was, yeah. Oh yes. yeah, yes. I did watch sad. that as well. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, Songbird is about a pandemic. Oh. No. Uh, this oh, movie went into production yeah. when the pandemic started. And Ugh. finished production during the pandemic. And it's about COVID 23 oh, is the virus. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, it had some actors that I like uh, Demi Moore, uh, Bradley Whitford, who, of course, is from The West Wing, my favorite TV show of all oh, time. Oh, I know
2: which one you're talking about now.
1: It's it, one produced by Michael Bay, isn't it? It is Michael Bay produced, and that is readily oh, apparent.
2: Gosh. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Uh, yeah
1: and it's uh why why would
3: you do that <laughs> well okay I was
1: curious what a movie with a, a budget because this is michael bay's producing yeah. it so it'll have a, a, a pretty good budget I wanted to see yeah. what they could do during a pandemic to, mm. to make a, a movie with high production value and it like it's yeah. it does have high production value but it's just mm. so tone deaf and yeah like you can tell like some Read of the, the concepts. Guys. That they broach early on in in the show are based on ideas that we had about COVID nineteen months ago. So when you watch right. it, when the movie finally comes out, it's like this it already is, feels old. This is wrong. It's just it's prepos- <laughs> preposterous.
2: <laughs> and it's interesting yeah. though, because I, I sorry to interrupt. But at the beginning of the pandemic, another movie I don't know if you've seen this movie, Contagion is called Contagion. It, it, yeah contagion Contagion, it it had a huge resurgence in popularity at the beginning of the pandemic yeah it was on i think it was either netflix or it was on netflix who said oh this movie everybody's watching this movie now so there is something there
1: well so i think they tried to cash in that wasn't that wasn't
2: yeah
0: yeah, that wasn't made contagion wasn't made during a pandemic yeah that's the thing Uh, that's where the tone deafness um,
2: of it comes in
0: yeah again read, read the room guys and <laughs> yeah. I, I guess in their in the filmmakers slight 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 slightest offense it probably went into production before hundreds of thousands of people had died yeah and so For maybe sure. they thought that we would handle this better and so that fewer people would die and then we'd yeah, come out it would be in a fiction.
1: post-pandemic world maybe i'll tell you after know. watching this movie but yeah the f- COVID 19 could have been a lot worse because it could have been like this movie <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spend
0: too much time on it. Yeah, that's that's a rough a rough look. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that that, okay. that that's my di- and the reason it's a disappointment. I didn't go in expecting to enjoy this movie. I didn't expect it to be good. I'm disappointed that they made the movie.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Me too. That makes sense. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Hugo, go. Yeah. So uh, for me, it was a movie that I went in wanting to love, and it was really possibly the movie I was most excited for this year. Um, maybe not the most because. Dune was also supposed to come out, but of course it got le- delayed. Mm. And it was the only movie that I got to see in a theater um, this year. I mean, at least uh, after the pandemic started and it's Christopher Nolan's new movie Tenet. Um, oh, wow. hot Yeah. Hot take. I, well, not really. Cause if you look at it, cause I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate the movie. I, I think the movie's good is it's fine. It's, you know, it's a very slick, cool action movie. With some incredible action sequences, that, that some of the stuff that they achieve in camera is is mind blowing. I don't know how they did it, and the you know the the special if, what the, not the special effect, the practical effect, uh, trickery that they were able to achieve is mind blowing. Yeah, it was but beautiful. At the same time, it is it is incredible, and I saw it on a big screen, so it's you know even bit, even bigger. I can't hear any of the dialogue, but that's another issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so yes. On the other hand, this is Christopher Nolan at. I would say this is Christopher Nolan at his most. So what is great about Christopher Nolan is on full display on this. But also, what what isn't so great about him is also on full display. So the film, all of the dialogue is exposition. There is very little character development. The protagonist is literally called the, the protagonist because he doesn't have a character there aren't really character arcs in it the only character arcs ar- character arc that there is is off screen because it's robert pattinson character but because of time travel it happens before the movie even begins um so and it, after and <laughs> after but you don't know so you don't actually see it and i as cool as as interesting as weird as intricate as it was i just didn't care about a lot of what was happening and it's You know, and I thought if this movie was an hour and a half, it would be a work of genius. Because the same thing could be said about um, Dunkirk. Dunkirk is also a movie that there are no character arcs. Uh, There's very in that one though. There's there's very little dialogue instead of having an overload of dialogue like Mm -hmm. in this one. Um, And it's an it's an hour and forty minutes long. It's an hour and forty minutes long. It's a slick film. It does what it what it's meant to do, which is have this really weird, interesting structure, and then you leave. This movie is two and a half hours. So you've got to mm-hmm. make me care about the characters in order for me to enjoy the film for two and a half hours. I, I, I was just tired. At some point, I was sitting there. The first time that I get back to a theatre, I was so excited. Uh, and I, I could feel myself wanting not to be there anymore. I was just tired. And, and I also think <laughs> the, final, the final, final action sequence is the weakest in the movie. It's the one that gets really confusing. It's hard to tell what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And so it left me with sort of a bad taste in my mouth. So again, good movie. A few things. You know, seven out of ten, yeah. but I, I it was disappointing because I want I it was the savior of cinema in twenty twenty and it just wasn't right.
0: Well the not the non savior of cinema. Yeah, it was supposed really. to be. Uh I, I really enjoy Christian Nolan's movies a lot. Me too. However, um I'm, I'm with I haven't seen Tenet, but I'm with you on like everything you said in general there, in that number one, Dunkirk is one of his best movies because he gets out of his own way. Yeah. And number two, I think that he has a problem with third acts where like the first two acts are amazing the third's like just okay like the third act of inception is i think the weakest section and like the the sequence of the dark knight where he's using like the the sonar to like fight the bad guys that's yeah. also my least <clears throat> favorite part of the dark knight so like he, he saves these amazing acting sequences, but he usually... The the best one is very, very rarely in the, in the yeah, third act. The, the I big agree. finale I is think usually kind of a disappointment. For me,
1: the reason I, I agree with it being a, a disappointment... I, I, I guess I was... Exp- before Obviously, I knew before I watched it that it had disappointed a bunch of people because I didn't watch it until... Yeah. That was the last movie I watched in 2020 was Tenet.
2: I watched it the day it came out.
1: but So, uh, um, so I knew going in that I was likely to be disappointed, uh, which maybe that helped me a little bit. I, I ended yeah. up giving it. I believe I gave it, uh, you know, four stars, you
3: know, yeah. eight
1: eight out of ten. Uh, I think the reason that it, it is a disappointment is because the idea is so lofty, of the, yeah. for this movie, and uh, you just had hope that if if anybody could do this, Christopher Nolan can make this crazy mm. storyline work, and yeah. he almost does. And so it, it it's, a, he that, does, yeah. it's a disappointment.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you get to the ending twist, well, and it's can't like yeah, yeah, that was a twist. Uh, but well, all the questions... Don't, don't say anything about twists. Yeah. Hey, hey. He hasn't no. seen it yet. I haven't seen this yet. What are you doing? No, but you know it's going to... It's a Christopher Nolan film. It's going to have twists. It, it has plenty of twists. Nah, sure. And they, they happen, and you're like, oh... Or maybe it has oh, no or... twists. Or maybe it has no <laughs> twists. But it, it's that That's thing the where twist. the best Christopher Nolan movies are weird and complicated and have a weird structure, but they anchor it to an emotional... Reaction that you're supposed to have, and this one sort of doesn't. Often a dead wife. It's often a dead wife, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but it. Yes. But sometimes. But it. But it does work. You know. You. You, you do feel sure. for Cobb. You do feel for Borden and uh, and yeah, in, and in the Prestige. You know. It. That. That's what I didn't mm-hmm. have with this. But I'm sorry, I'm, I'm right. rambling about this movie. I'm
1: sorry. All right, Josh. No, all what's uh, What's your disappointment? Because he, I didn't get yours ahead, uh, ahead of time, so I don't actually have a picture for it.
0: <laughs> a little movie called uh, Mulan.
1: Oh, you did mention Mulan. that. I'm, I'm a I'm an idiot. Yeah. I, I, You did mention <laughs> that. No, <that's> okay,
0: Disney's <laughs> Disney's live action remake of, uh, frankly, one of their better animated movies. I would say uh, I rewatched Mulan, the animated movie from the from what '97 ish. Yeah. From from the late '90s, I rewatched it in the last couple of years, and like, man, it's it's really good, and it really holds up, and it's exciting, and it makes me cry, and uh, it it's just great. And then the the live action remake that uh, they released on Disney Plus earlier this year for a price. By the way, you had to pay your normal six dollars yeah. a month and also pay an extra thirty dollars on top of it just to for the pleasure of watching this. Uh, and it's it's just really not good. Um, well, you know, I don't want to be that negative, but it's a big disappointment for me. Is I guess I'll what I'll say. Um, it had some it I,
3: had some bright spots. Wife,
1: like it did. It had some very good action sequences. And then it also had some extremely terrible action sequences.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know a ton about editing, but like, it's kind of like pornography in the Supreme Court. I know bad editing when I yes. see it, and yeah. there's some bad editing in in <laughs> Mulan. Um, my uh, my wife watched this with me, and so when I was preparing for this podcast, I asked her what her thoughts of Mulan were, and I will share them now. She said that Mulan was too stoic, and which is a, a I think a big a good observation. And uh, we lost the key elements of the original, which were the music and the totality of Mulan's relationship with her dad, which, again, I think is very astute. I think that the original is a a father-daughter movie, um, among other things, Um, but the central relationship is Mulan and her dad. And I I, I guess they tried to do that in the remake, but I didn't really feel it at all. Um, Yeah, uh, I thought it was, it's, I feel like the Mulan remake, uh, first of all, the trailer gave me chills. I was so yeah. excited, amazing trailer, yeah. and it was one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and I really did not care for it, so that's, that's why it's a big disappointment. But um, I, I felt like this was gonna be right in the pocket of like capitalizing on 90s nostalgia, which is what Disney's been doing for the last five years, basically, that's been their business model, yeah. but also like updating childhood properties to be more gritty for adulthood, which has been like DC's business model for the last yeah. 10 years. And this could have been right in the pocket of that because Mulan is, you know, you know, apt for a gritty adult yeah, reboot. It's a war movie. But uh, they kind, of, yeah, exactly. And they they kind of did neither. It was just kind of dull and boring, and I didn't care about anybody. And it was like it, some of the sets looked really fake, and it looked like it looked like it spent a lot of money on it, but also like ten dollars on it at the same time. I don't know. I just yeah. did not care for it, and it, it, it sucked. I really is... to like it
2: from the trailers the vibe that i had gotten was oh they're making a wushu movie they're making Mm -hmm. they're making crouching tiger that's the type of movie they're going incredible trailer yeah incredible trailer such a good trailer yeah it looked like they were going for that classic hong kong action movie set in 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 the old in the old old china with with flying characters and awesome fights and and it ended up not being that i
1: still i still liked the live action Mulan, obviously I, I differ in opinion on that. I still liked it, but I think it could just be that how, because of how much I love the original Mulan, that some of that, you know, rang through, you know, for me when it probably shouldn't have, but, uh, yeah. I ultimately, I agree. It's kind of just hollow, like the structure is there mm. of the movie. Hollow's a good word. Uh, yeah. But it's not filled with anything.
2: <laughs> just, but yeah, to be fair, did you, did any of you like, like, really like any of the live-action remakes that they're doing?
0: So I guess I'll say that is this the first live-action remake that I've seen. I've not seen any of the others yet. I so.
1: yeah, I, I have enjoyed I, like I have enjoyed all of them. I have not enjoyed right. any of them okay. more than the original, uh, yeah. which leaves me mm. ultimately feeling like they are not worth doing. Right.
2: Yeah, I watched. A I few feel like them I, 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 I need, need to. to I,
0: I need to check out the Jungle Book because I feel like the Jungle Book might be that one that is the that one I, I liked
2: best. Uh, okay, yeah, that's
0: yeah. the one I hear. Is... I know the. the fi- I mean, that's that's John Favreau and also, um, yeah. uh, shoot, what's Ginnar's name? Anyway, anyway, whatever. Uh, okay, let's stop being negative. And, uh, <laughs> or any, any other thoughts on Mulan or the? No, disappointments? I, just, I mean, like Anything? in
1: the grand scheme of things, you know, Could even even with a reduced number of movies available that came out in twenty twenty, the the one a lot of the ones that did were still pretty good you know so we didn't have a yeah. lot of disappointments uh i mean i'm sure there were more than we've said here but you know mm-hmm. the fact that you know these are the ones that we were most disappointed by should show that you know they, they did a pretty good job all things considered <laughs> yeah yeah but sure. really the biggest yeah.
2: disappointment was all the movies that i wanted to see that i couldn't because they got
1: they got delayed
0: or you well, know they weren't a lot available. of them will be 2021 movies yeah, yeah. so we'll talk about Let's those so. in another, another so who's uh, who's up first with um, our,
1: our three well before we
0: we, we before we do that uh before we do that i I just want to say grizz at the at the top you shouted out uh, a couple mini series and i just want to say that in 2020 because we're watching movies differently the line between movies and tv is blurring more and more by the day and 2020 kind of really revealed that so i want to shout out uh devs which aired on fx and is currently streaming on hulu in the u.s and The reason that's, like, even more in the pocket between movies and TV is it was entirely written and directed by one person, uh, Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina and Annihilation, which are two of the best sci-fi movies of the last five years. And Devs is, you know, eight episodes, so really, like, six hours of content, and it's it's basically a six-hour Alex Garland movie, and it's as good as any movie I saw this year. And it's a TV show, obviously, because it aired on FX, but, like, it, you know, that line is blurring. And you know, Queen's Gambit is another blur of the line, and uh, there's some really good content out there. Chernobyl from a couple years ago is blurring the line, but good stuff. Yeah, it's a good point. And I want to good shout out—I out.
3: haven't watched yeah. that yet, but it, it's been Watch on my Devs. radar. I've been, Devs is
0: outstanding. I've been very, very excited good.
2: for Devs, but it's, but it's not available yes, for you. you it's not out in Italy yet. It isn't. Uh, if okay. you search for it, it, it is in one of those top five miniseries that are awesome, but uh, not available in Italy. <laughs> That's his, well there's websites day. that do
0: that well so, yeah as a consolation prize how about you go first in saying your number three movie of the year or your favorite or top my
2: or number three okay I, I i thought it would be cool to shout out some honorable ventures as well um sure i oh, think yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, already talked about the last dance uh was one of well, the last dance not a movie probably my favorite 2020 released thing. You know, mm. it, I thought it was brilliant on Netflix, and I really, really, yes. really enjoyed that. Absolutely, uh, it made me I'm watch. Also, a basketball live fan. Totally so. in Italy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <there> you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. I watched it when it came out. Well, every I, week. I
2: watched The Bachelor. So, yeah. I was you know. waiting for it every week, and I was really excited. And you know, uh, Mandalorian is another thing that I that I really enjoyed this season. Uh, as much as I hadn't enjoyed that, well, I liked the first season, but I didn't love it. And the second season really hooked me, and I was I'm excited to see what they do next. Um, and uh, also Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted is is Bill and Ted Face the Music came out this year. It's really stupid. Um, it's not as good as Bill and Ted Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But I thought it was refreshing to see a film that was so filled with joy, and I and I really enjoyed the message uh, because of the year that we've been living through. Uh, even if it's cheesy and corny and and a little out of time but I, I, I thought it was a spark of joy and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I shout out remember, to sure. Keanu Reeves. Shout out to Keanu Reeves for still being the best. And Alex Winter. And Alex Winter, of with course. With him as always is Garth. Yes, who also Alex Winter. Yeah, Alex Winter is sort of a... He, he's a weird guy, but let's not talk about Alex <laughs> Winter. Uh, anyway, my number three, uh, top three movies of the year, number three for me is Palm Springs. Um, ooh, came out. I, I watched it a few months after it released in the US because it, it was originally, I think, on Hulu, uh, and then they released mm-hmm. it uh, released it over here as a VOD. It was supposed to go to theaters here, but then theaters were shut, so they made a deal, and they 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 put it on on VOD first, and then they released it. On, and right now, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, great little film. It's a time travel comedy, uh, so obviously, it's going to get uh, some comparisons from the past, but I think it has really cool ideas. It it, it it uses the same structure. I think it di- it
0: differentiates itself enough to the yeah. to this you know the older movies that it's referencing. Yeah. yeah for
2: sure. um, yes, and and I think the genius idea of the movie is that uh, it's not only one person who's going to the loop. The time loop. It's a time loop comedy, but it's only it's not only one person that's going to the loop. It's two people, actually three people. But the, the protagonists are two people. And uh, one of them is right. Andy Samberg as Niles. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Andy Samberg. I think he is... Love really I love him. Really funny. 9 one of my favorite he, shows. Yeah, yeah Brooklyn 9 is great. When when he's given the right role for him, I think he's just a hilarious guy. He can play the desperate, sad, but really funny, cynical person. He just does it. He, it's fantastic. Um, and basically, he's been in the loop for... We, for an inordinate amount of time. We don't know. He doesn't even remember how long he's been in the loop. And he keeps living this wedding day uh, where he, he's at this wedding and he just keeps reliving and he knows all the stories. He knows all the... He's at the end of the movie. Uh, what's the movie with Bill Murray called? Um, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. He's he's Bill Murray at the end of Brown, Groundhog Day. He knows all of the people at the wedding. He knows what they're doing, their routine and all. So he spends his time just being depressed not doing anything or messing with the people around it because you just know whatever happens yeah. he's gonna uh get back to the loop
1: and then hang got got on josh got his fingers up go ahead josh sorry
2: i was just gonna say I, th- I think it's good that
0: like groundhog day is about the discovery of the time loop yes. and like someone at the beginning of it and like dealing with that but yep. palm springs is about it's about someone who's been in it for presumably thousands of years theoretically yep. and like is dealing with the reality of it and that's a that's a that's it's a awesome. very different journey and yeah
2: and then you then come here comes uh, christine migliotti who as uh, i think her character's name misty uh who's the sister of the person who's getting married uh the the, the 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 bride and she she gets stuck in the loop with niles and so she's the one discovering the loop and he's been in the loop for so long that he doesn't even care anymore and she's the one who does everything that she can and she gets desperate and she does everything that she can to get out of the loop while he sort of tells her, like, oh, you need to stop. You need to just, this is your life right. now. There's no moving yes. on. Just settle in. Let's have fun. And that's it. Yeah. I've, and I've, then you have the mm-hmm. best character in the film, which is played by J.K. Simmons as Roy. Uh, who's this other guy oh, don't, who's don't, stuck don't, in the loop?
1: Don't give away any of the stuff. I'm not going to say anything.
2: I'm not <laughs> going to say anything about Roy, but I'm just saying he's the third guy who's stuck in the loop, um, and he has a really interesting relationship with Niles because they both are stuck in the loop, but they, they don't talk to each other. And he's the most hilarious part of the film. The film is really sweet and it's also really funny in a really dark, heavy way at times. Um, but I think it's fantastic. It's it's really funny. It's sweet. It's about people being stuck in depression and how you face it, uh, whether you choose to settle into it or whether you choose to fight it. And it, it just works. It's it's really sweet. It's really quick. It's like 90 minutes long and it's just a lovely watch.
1: I also had Palm Springs Absolutely. near my top three and I believe yeah, Josh did same, as well. Same, me too. Uh, huge fan of this movie. It was excellent. Me too. And yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, I, I I will say it, it benefits greatly from... Groundhog Day already existing. It doesn't yeah. have to waste any time mm-hmm. explaining the concept. Uh so it if you plays on it. If you haven't seen Groundhog Day by some chance, I would recommend watching that before watching Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh and then another thing I would say with Palm Springs is there's a very awkward scene that kicks off the movie. Muscle through that. <laughs> and then yeah. and then the rest of the movie is just gold.
0: <laughs> yes. I turn this on. I, I turn this on with my in-laws, and I forgot about that scene. But you know,
1: you muscle through it. It's fine. That's <laughs> why I thought I should warn people.
0: <laughs> yes, good, good, good warning. Good warning. Um, also, like you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to quantify. Ha- First of all, I, I love this movie too. It's my number four for the year. Um, also, but my top three aren't exactly like romps. So Palm Springs yeah. may be my most recommended. Like I recommend this more than anything else in my list, possibly. Uh, just it's. It's a just, it's so fricking funny, but also like, it's hard to quantify, uh, the time and place of a movie's release. Like the fact that this was released a month into quarantine and it's about like living the same day over and over again and being trapped in your current location with the being trapped with the people that you're with. Uh, it's hard to quantify how that really hit people. At least it hit me in the right way and, uh, really captured the zeitgeist in a way that filmmakers could not have anticipated at all. And um, it makes it all the better. Remarkable. That, that there's really, no way really they could have seen that coming. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I mean, we've talked about how funny it is, and how sweet it is. It's also pretty philosophical. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. like, uh, you know, it, it's kind of about the nature of relationships and about, you know, Hugo, you mentioned depression yeah. um, about uh, this mortal coil. Yeah. Uh, Andy Sandberg tries to kill himself to get out of the time loop. And just like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, he can't. Yes, and so he says. Uh, he says, Christian At one point, we we kind of have no choice but to live, so we just yeah. kind of have to deal with it. Like yeah. that's pretty philosophical about like what life is like yeah. on this planet. So,
1: um, it's really good. I love this movie. It's it's fantastic. It's definitely it's the best comedy of the year, by by far, easily. Yes, yeah, yes. Your comedy, absolutely. Yep. Okay, uh, uh, hand? Number yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Number three. Um, so my number three. Hang on go oh, locate it is onward the disney pixar mm. film uh i think that's going to be a little, little bit of a hot take for a lot of people especially uh given it is one of the more recent releases yeah. from you know disney pixar which i am yeah. I'm confident we will talk about <laughs> uh <laughs> but uh i loved onward it's the last movie that i saw in theaters before the pandemic started uh So you know who knows, uh, you know how much more I enjoyed it because of the experience of actually being in theater and all that. But the reason I loved this movie so much, I think, is because you go in expecting the story that they show in the trailer of, you know, the story of these two boys who have 24 hours uh, that their dad can come back from the dead. They live in a a fairy tale tale world. They're they're uh, uh, what are they trolls? I forget. There's something like that. They elves. Oh, that's right. They were they were they were, they were elves, but they're blue skins. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's basically m- sure. high fantasy. If it was if it progressed to time, if it wasn't yeah. medieval, but it it was modern day sort of.
1: But uh, so that it's a really I unique setting in that regard. But the, the story they're telling is one that I think a lot of people can get into, which was you know they have twenty four hours to spend to bring their dad back from the great beyond, uh, and they mess it up, and they. <laughs> his dad comes back and it's just the lower half of their dad <laughs> which is a, a ridiculous concept and i think that adds a lot of levity to to it uh, but so then the, the movie is about the, the two brothers trying to fix this screw up so that they can spend any amount of time with their dad so you go in expecting the story about their relationship with their father and there is a lot of that but really the crux of the story is about two brothers and their relationship with each other and that resonated with me because you know I, I too have an older brother uh, and uh, our while our relationship does not mirror this one directly by any means uh, there's enough just inherent brotherhood on this film that that it really resonated with me and I, I absolutely loved it and it, of course it's Pixar so it's you know at, at at its worst, mm-hmm. it's still pretty darn good, right? High, <laughs> high floor, high floor with Pixar. Yeah. What did you yeah. all see? Onward.
2: I didn't. I actually yes. didn't because it came out um, uh, when the pandemic had a, had already. Italy, as probably probably all know, was the first country outside of China to be hit by the pandemic, uh, in the West at least. Because maybe Korea, but whatever and so it came out and we were already you know having concerns about leaving the house we weren't in lockdown yet but we were already thinking oh we shouldn't go to the cinema so they actually i think it came out for a day or something then they delayed it and then they released it again in the summer but then in the summer we were still in lockdown so i didn't think it was safe to go to the cinema and it hasn't been released on disney plus here yet so i hadn't seen it but i'm really excited i love pixar i love most of their films so I'm, i'm excited to see it i haven't i just haven't yet
0: I watched I watched it pretty early in lockdown, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I didn't um, ma- maybe it was the fantasy element that like I didn't connect with. Uh, hmm. th- I mean that's just like that's just the set dressing. That's not really like the heart of the right. story or anything. But like maybe it's enough set dressing that it kind of got in the way of the story for, for me. my You wanted more fantasy, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I wanted. But I mean, <laughs> to your point, I also have two. I also have two brothers, and so you know I, I love a brother story. Uh, this reminded me weirdly of the two brothers in Sing Street, which is a movie that came out a few years ago, which <laughs> is a great movie, but um, <laughs> just same, same vibe. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the the central relationship is great and the central journey is great, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you like it. And I definitely recommend it. It just wasn't like higher tier picture for
1: me. Oh, and I guess yeah. I, I, I was going to mention, I forgot to do honor, an honorable mention. Uh, mm. pa- Palm Springs, as I said, was near my top five as well or not near my top three as well. The other one I wanted to give an honorable mention to is a movie called The Half of It, uh, (laughs) which uh, is streaming on Netflix. And it is about a a young lady who is in high school, and she's kind of a loner, uh, and she lives in a small town, and one of the school jocks needs her help because he's a dummy and and can't can't speak words good. So... (laughs) So he asks her to write letters to the popular girl for him. Uh, mm. See her now. Yeah, and it's—I mean, it's a I, I, on the surface level, it's a—you a, know—a movie that is not unlike a lot of you know teen romance dramas and you know and things like that. But it has a lot of heart, and uh, the characters—you know, there's there's you know it, there's enough that differentiates it that i don't want to you know spoil i do highly recommend it uh especially if you're just looking for something that is a little you know lower impact on you like it's not it's not a hard hitting drama that you have to invest your heart and soul into it's you know but it's yeah. it's, it's really on I mean, the lighter side yeah it's fun
3: yeah
1: but go ahead yeah sorry you go ahead josh so anyway josh
2: cool. your top th- you're
0: number three uh number three uh, i guess if we're doing animal of i'll shout out one thing really quick uh most of my i think I think most of my top seven is going to be talked about to some extent in our top three, so I won't mention all of it, but I'll hmm. jump down to The Assistant, which is the uh, Kitty Green's movie, which premiered uh, in January. It's currently on Hulu. Um, have you guys seen The Assistant? I have not.
1: You, I, you did recommend it, uh, so it's We online. don't have Hulu in yeah,
0: Italy. <laughs> it's, you don't have Hulu in Italy, yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it's a, a all-in-one-day movie, a day in the life of this young woman who's fresh out of college and working for a... Uh, high level movie producer in new york it's you never see the guy's face but it, you know it's supposed to be like a weinstein-esque kind of guy but it's notably never mentioned whether or not it's him or someone else and i think that the anonymity is kind of the point where like there's a lot of harvey weinsteins in the movie yeah. world that's kind of i guess the point point. Yeah. and just like you know what she goes through uh in the course of a single day working for this guy and um it's really really good and uh, I recommend it. If, you're, if you have Hulu and you're in the mood for something that's not quite a fun romp, uh, give the yeah. assistant a shot. Um, my number three for the year, it's actually not my number three, but uh, my, my, uh, my top five will be kind of pillaged by you guys in your top three. So I'm going down to my number five for the year, Fair which enough. is, uh, my number five for the year is, uh, it's called Sound of Metal. And uh, yes. it's uh, made by Amazon, currently on Amazon Prime, at least in the U.S. I'm not sure about it is, Italy. It Sorry, Hugo.
2: One that I can see. Okay, great. Uh, cool. I, I didn't notice that it
0: was. Uh, Sound of Metal is a movie starring Riz Ahmed, who you may recognize from The Night Of on HBO or Star Wars Rogue One. Um, he plays a drummer in a punk metal band, and he loses his hearing. And so he goes to a facility to, uh, a facility that's actually for deaf addicts, because he's also a recovering addict. And, um... That's kind of it, plot-wise, uh, and it's a the the sound design is incredible. Um, we are like kind of in in his head for a lot of it, so like a lot of the sound is very muffled. Like we are experiencing his deafness as he experiences it, and it's also like you know there's heavy metal scenes, and then there's scenes of him unable to hear. So the sound design's incredible. It'll probably be Oscar nominated, I'm sure. Uh, Riz Ahmed himself will probably also be Oscar nominated. Uh, this is a really great lead performance. He's in basically every frame of this movie and he doesn't talk for a lot of it because he goes deaf so like a lot of the movie plays out on his face and he has like these big expressive puppy dog eyes and um, he's amazing at it and um, it's a pretty it's pretty stripped down. It's not very flashy. It's almost like documentary-like in its style. Uh, I can't remember if there's much music outside of like the scenes where they're actually playing music um, and it's, it's great. It's, you know, about self-discovery and you know um and self-love and self-acceptance and also uh you know it, it made me think about an anecdote i heard recently about uh disability and um if you'll indulge me for like 30 seconds uh someone explained that disability has nothing to do with you it has everything to do with the society you live in so like if suddenly tomorrow everyone got the ability to fly except for me yeah suddenly, everyone can fly, and I can't. Mm. I'm not disabled in that scenario, however, if a month from now, because everyone can fly, they design a building with no elevators and I have to get to the eleventh floor and there's no elevator because everyone but me can fly, now I'm disabled right yeah, so disability is not anything to do with me. it's everything to do with society's ability to accommodate me and my needs and I was just thinking about that a lot as I was watching this movie because you know it is about. You know, these people who are deaf or and non-hearing people, and and you know, uh, Riz Ahmed learning sign language and all that, and, and the struggle with that. And um, it's very interesting to see. You know, these are characters you don't often see on screen. I can't think of many movies um, with non-hearing people. And uh, uh, yeah, a it's quiet place and is the only one that comes it's to it's mind. A quiet place. Well, that's. There's a lot going on in a quiet place outside of... Outside it's not, of it's not about that. It's so um, one of the elements. I, I yeah.
1: hadn't watched The Sound of Metal yet because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there were obviously a lot of other movies I was watching. But sure. the reason I was hesitant to watch it was because I'm not a huge fan of the metal music genre. How prevalent is mm-hmm. that? About the first ten minutes. So I can just... I can muscle through that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's like... I think the the opening scene is them playing a concert, and there's there's not a ton after that. So if you, if you're hesitant to watch this because you don't like metal, I just thought you're that fine. I wouldn't be able to appreciate uh,
1: the movie if 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 the metal was a central thing to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it sounds like something I should I should go right. give it a shot. Definitely, and you know, so you bring that
0: up. All you know, it's also very well put together in that you know it makes it clear in the first fifteen minutes that like. R- Riz Ahmed I wish I had his character written down because I, I hate referring to characters by the actor who he's plays them but out. Ruben uh, Ruben sorry Ruben his character's name is Ruben uh, it makes clear in the opening that like music is kind of all there is in yeah. Ruben's life He he's in a band a two person band with his girlfriend and like his girlfriend is like what helped get him sober and so like mm-hmm. his girlfriend and their band is really all he has in his life and so losing his hearing is devastating it it, it you know, threatens his sobriety. It threatens his relationship. It threatens his. It threatens his only way of making money. Yeah. So they're really good about making this very high stakes. You really feel it, and you feel for the guy and his big puppy dog eyes. And uh, it's a great movie. Um. Again, I, I think in a different year, Riz Ahmed would maybe be a front runner for best actor, but unfortunately, uh, there are other people that are bigger front runners this year. But um, it's really good. It's very subtle. It's like I said, it's not flashy or ostentatious. It's, it's almost documentary like. But uh, it's great, and I, I really recommend it.
1: All right, Hugo, what's awesome. at number two? So that's going on the watch. Hugo, so, number, number two, two
2: is is a movie that released earlier in the year, and uh, it's The Five Bloods by Spike Lee, um, yeah. which um, I love Spike Lee. That just starting off, I think he's a mad genius, and. Again, this film, in the same way that Christopher Nolan, uh, Tenet was Christopher Nolan at his most, The uh, Five Bloods is Spike Lee at his most. So um, I think the film on a thematic level is as strong as anything Spike has ever made. So I think his best movies are Do the Right Thing and, and Black Men from a few years ago. Um, and they're both, they just get to the core of this just rage that he has inside him that he's able to deliver through his art and this rage about being a black man in america and all the issues that come with that and he's really good at doing these period pieces that create parallels between the present and and the past in which this movie is well this movie is half set in the past and half set in the present but it, it takes a, a historical um uh, idea which is how black people were treated during the vietnam war how they were sent to war and how they were t- they were kept separate from the white uh, uh, military the part of the military and all that and it, it, it brings it into uh, a, a, a contemporary setting. Um, the basic story is these uh, four, ve- four four black veterans uh, who basically had found uh, some gold while they were fighting in Vietnam in the in the, in the I think it's it, it's it says it sixty nine or b- either the late sixties early seventies like yeah that I think right. it says I think mm-hmm. it does say that it's sixty nine, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, and they decide to go back to Vietnam uh, together to look for this gold that they had buried. They, they, basically, their idea was, oh, we found this gold, but they sent us here to die. Uh, America, the, our, our nation doesn't care about us. They sent us here to die. We're just going to keep this gold, and we're going to bury it, and then we'll come back when we can and get it back. And uh, it cuts back and forth between the story of them in the present looking for the gold, and these really, really, really cool sequences shot in 16 millimeters, so they look that they were filmed uh, in the sixties, on location, of them it, uh, as young people, although they're played by the same actors, which is a, sort of a weird uh, yeah. artistic choice. That, that's, uh, it, that's it looks a, a bit odd. That's a complaint. It, it I is, have. <laughs> it is a bit, of, it, it is a bit off-putting. Um, but together with him is um, Chadwick Boseman, uh, the late great Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately, um, as Stormy Norman, really goodness. who plays Very goodness. this. Yeah. Um, this character who's sort of a, a he's sort of their zen guru for them he's, he's their leader he's the, yeah he's their leader but he's yeah he's a philosopher he you can tell he's he's someone who understands the condition of the black man in america and who has ideas on it and a philosophy yeah, and he educates
1: it. in the past sequences you hear him educating them about black history yeah. that they were that they were exactly. not taught That they
2: weren't aware of because possibly he was more educated or more interested in it or had more time to talk to you know to learn it and all those sequences with him are i think his performance in this is one of the best he's ever given he's fantastic in it. i know we're going to talk about him more next week but I do think he would be deserving of a, a supporting actor nomination for this movie because I think he's just great. He has this really w- weird physicality to him uh, in this film, and I just love him. And the main character is... Because he's is...
0: notably not as old as his other as the other characters. Yeah. notably uh, Very notably. He is, he is yes. And so.
2: that's where I... <laughs> yes. Okay, that's where I... Uh, let me say this. Last thing is um, Delroy Lindo plays... Well, he's not the protagonist because all four of these um vietnam vets are protagonists of the film but he's possibly the character that has the most screen time and whose story is. he has the most dramatic arc yeah, yeah. yes and the story his story is the most dramatic and it's the one that has more uh, mm-hmm. power i think power to it um he's this uh, character yeah. who has ptsd who uh basically has given up on life and he's become sort of a conspiracy theorist. he very notably says he's a trump voter uh Despite, wears a MAGA hat the entire movie. a MAGA hat the entire movie, but very notably. But you can tell yep. that a lot of this is because of the trauma of what happened to him uh, all those years ago. He, because obviously I won't spoil it, but he he's suffering PTSD and all that comes with it. And he has some of the just the best scenes in the film where he's just monologuing and uh, either he's having visions or he's going insane or he he's uh, monologuing to the camera or he's just having yeah, a scene. Those are really Every powerful. scene moments. he's in he's he's Very. so powerful in it and this is both what's good about the film and what's bad about the film because I do think compared to for example I think Black Landsman is my favorite Spike Lee film and I think that film is so focused and it tells a great story and then it brings in the the themes it manages to, to throw in the themes organically within the story of the film this film oftentimes does feel like it it stops and then it talks to the audience yeah. which is is yeah. very Lee stylistically <laughs> but it, it, it can be a bit off putting at times uh, Reminds me a little bit feel, of the the big I, I,
1: short in that regard where the, they they start yes. to, to yeah. tell the yeah. audience it's you
2: know. not it's not as fourth breaking right. but it is fourth wall breaking and but i do think that, what i love about it is the fact that spike at his age and you know he's a man who you know he did well in life he's he's i'm sure he's rich he's living his best life he's he's making the movies he wants to make going to uh, basketball but he still games has this, he's going to basketball games not anymore <laughs> um that's hollywood anymore, should yeah. poor nicks uh maybe he'll start going to the nets games he should uh, <laughs> but regardless, uh but he still has this just rage inside him that he delivers through his art and i just love that about him what were you gonna say Josh? all of his movies so even the ones that are not as good I, are I really think... powerful in that sense I think this movie I also
0: think this movie is really good but to Hugo's point I think it's about maybe 20 minutes too long it is and I it, it would probably be one of the best movies I saw this year if it was a little leaner yep. um, and not maybe quite as self-indulgent maybe it at times uh, that said uh, I agree with Hugo that it's very powerful uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance is great however I think you're underselling Delroy Lindo Delroy Lindo is the star of he's, this movie he's yeah. a revelation he's a genius unbelievable um, genius. and even though I think it's maybe a little too maybe you think it's a little too long however I think that Uh, the landmine scene with Delroy Lindo and Jonathan Majors, that's all I'll say. The landmine scene is one of my favorite scenes from any movie in 2020. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing. And um, also like the sequences where Delroy Lindo is like talking to the camera and really working through some stuff as he trudges through the jungle alone. Also some of my favorite stuff that I saw in 2020. So um, even though I don't like Completely love this movie. There is a whole lot to recommend, Agreed. and I definitely recommend people yeah. check it out.
1: My, yeah. only, my only drawbacks were I, I, it, I don't, don't think it made, made sense to not cast younger actors to play the younger versions of themselves. I, I, I'd be interested to yeah. find out why he made that decision, and if, if, if one of y'all knows that, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Uh, but he's, uh, he's just an
2: idiosyncratic filmmaker. He likes to make daring, stylistic but, choice sometimes, even if it doesn't really help the story yeah and i, I mean i, I think, think that, i
0: think that's an artistic choice yeah yeah for sure part of it is and the fact that the fact that chadwick boseman is you know not as old as they are is is probably the punchline of that stylistic
2: choice i would think yeah um there is I don't an know, element what do you think it is? like there is okay i do think there's an element of it being there the idea is that it's their memories of what happened and not necessarily exactly what happened the fact that it's shot differently it, it there is it's implied but well, so, so in some ways I it's,
1: yeah. loved that they shot it in different film and you know to, to make yeah, it that, more that's fantastic correct for the time loved that but it took me out of it when they did that that the actors were still old so it's like you know uh, I yeah, like it totally felt like a half commitment to shooting the the, the older film the older stuff yeah. but yeah the the performances across the board excellent performances I don't think yeah. there was a weak spot in this cast uh, which is which is great and you know i it, the other John thing was is in this movie yeah sorry so <laughs> for me it's funny. <laughs> this movie felt like two movies and part of that is because it was very long but like it's two very different stories yeah. you know from there's a i'm not going to get into it but there's a a moment where one yeah. story ends and another story begins and uh it was really really great I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I, I
2: just thought the, the, the power of what it is uh, really got to
1: me, even, it was even a, though it, really I, I agree that poignant film to release this and, year as
2: well.
0: Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. Grizz, number two. Is that where we're at? Yes. Grizz, number two? Yeah. Okay,
1: so uh, I chose a short film for my number two. Uh, it is called What a Wild Card. If Anything Happens, <laughs> I Love You. Is the the name of this short? It's twelve minutes. It's on Netflix, so even Hugo can watch it when when we're done here. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tell you anything about the story because uh, again, telling any part of the story of twelve minute you. you know short is telling the entire story. <laughs> but uh, it right. is an animated short. It is uh, very stylistic the way it's drawn. Uh, they the i'll tell you this much there's a couple and you're you're watching their relationship uh, and they're the couple themselves are not really communicating with each other they are just going going through the motions of their lives uh but in the background of them their shadows are acting out the actual emotions and actual discussions that the that they're having and hmm. The story goes in a direction I did not expect, and it is mm. super poignant to, you know, the world, especially the, the way America is today, uh, and a, a lot of concerns that you know people have to deal with. Uh, I I don't want to spoil anything about it, uh, so you j- absolutely need to watch. If anything happens, I love you. Uh, it it if it's not going to be nominated for uh, best short, it, it it's a crime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bit, isn't
0: it? Well, that's a crapshoot every year. Yeah, but but you know, yeah, yeah, twelve minutes. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely I'll definitely give you twelve minutes of my day later today to give this a shot for sure. Yeah.
1: All right. right cool. Go ahead,
0: Josh. Um, I like that. I I like that pick. I like throwing out a short film that everyone can watch on Netflix. and, well, and you know, I, yeah, I was telling Hugo beforehand.
1: Netflix. I I really love shorts, and that's one of my favorite things about Oscar season every year. Is I go to the theater. Mm-hmm. and uh, Shorts TV you know, has their theatrical release of all of the live action shorts, all of the animated shorts, and the documentary short films. Uh, and I love to go there and uh, you know, over like three days they do them back you know, eat one each day or sometimes they do them back to back and I just watch hours of shorts. Absolutely love doing that. Because I think short films tell a story that can't be told in other mediums. Uh, if you tell the same yeah. story of, of this short in a Feature-length film, it will lose something, and yeah, I, the artistry that goes into making a fantastic short film is, you know, is is just so impressive uh, because you're doing so much I, confined to a, such a small venue. Yeah,
0: I really admire economy of storytelling for sure. So yeah, I'll definitely, definitely, definitely check this out. And also, um, please watch what my did, what number did Jack two. Do? That's well, okay, so. I mentioned earlier that my top six has kind of been pilfered by you guys. My number two for the year is Mank, but we already had an episode on Mank, so I'm not going to discuss Mank here. I'm going to discuss something else. However, I will say that I'm a lot higher on Mank now than I was when we recorded our episode. That's just the, you know, that's one of the pitfalls of having to discuss a movie that you just watched the previous night on a podcast. I had not really pulled, well, developed a full opinion on it yet. I think you said um, in
1: our podcast that you intended to watch it again and you thought you might find more in it and you were right <laughs> yes yes, yeah don't just don't you know I, I went in with my whole David
0: Fincher expectation and like yeah. my knowledge of his filmography and it kind of like muddled the movie for me and like I watched it again it's it's really excellent watch Mank please Mank is, is a wonderful wonderful movie uh, so because my number two is Mank I'll drop to my number three uh, which is I'm thinking of ending things which is also on Netflix as is Mank yes. uh, I'm thinking of ending things is written and directed by Charlie Kaufman Again, available on Netflix worldwide, I'm pretty sure. Yes, and, um, I've seen it too. Uh, we're, we're running low on time, so I'll try to be brief, but it's difficult to be brief about I'm thinking of anything, so I'll, I'll do the best I can. Um, number one, I will see anything Charlie Kaufman makes forever in perpetuity. Um, if you're listening to this, you also should probably see everything Charlie Kaufman ever makes forever in perpetuity. Um, that said, I think this is probably one of his more opaque movies that he's yeah. made in many years uh it's hard to crack it's pretty uh seemingly simple but actually pretty out there uh it's based on the novel by ian reed which i read great book uh and honestly it's it's such a quick read you can probably read the book in roughly the same amount of time it takes you to watch the movie very quick read very very enjoyable read i read it in anticipation for charlie kaufman's movie and has um, very little to do with it though uh that's debatable actually. I think you could it's it, it's interesting to read the book as a companion to the movie. And actually, if you could not make heads or tails in the movie, I really recommend reading the book because kind of one informs the other. And like yeah. I was I was able to follow the movie better because I'd read, read the book. And I yeah, Grizz, had you read the I book? I have not not have read the book, the not seen the movie yet. Okay, okay, cool. That's good to know. Um so the premise of the book and the movie is we are inside a woman's head. Uh, it's you know her or narration. Not. And uh, in, in, the, in the movie she's played by Jesse Buckley and her name is Lucy, maybe. Uh, she kind of has different names, which is kind of the point that I'll get to. And she is going with her boyfriend to uh, drive from the city to the country to meet his parents. And she is thinking of ending the relationship. So this exercise of meeting his parents is kind of a pointless thing. Cause she's just gonna break up with him soon anyway. Hence the title. I'm thinking of anything. Um, that's that at least the setup of changes, both the book I thought it, and the, movie. the title
1: was referencing
0: a suicide. <laughs> that, well, that's interesting that you say that because yes. it kind
2: of also is referencing oh a suicide. Uh,
0: it's a it's, a, bit it's of a double entendre of the title. There, there is yes. nothing um, in the
2: film that isn't ambiguous that can't have multiple meanings. Correct. Interesting.
0: Yes. Um, so, if if you're watching the movie carefully, you will tell right away that something is amiss and it's it's more than what the premise is promising you um, there are visual cues uh, that like things change and then change back and um, if you're paying attention like a lot of it's dialogue like probably like 40 minutes of this movie is just Jesse Buckley and Jesse Clemens, who plays her boyfriend Jake, uh, Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons are sitting in a car talking, that's like yeah. half the movie basically and if you're paying attention to the dialogue, some things they're saying like kind of don't add up And, like, things they say about themselves and about their past, like, it changes in in an odd way. And, again, if you've read the book, you kind of know where this is going and you know what the the explanation is. Um, I will say that, oh, also, uh, the movie cuts back frequently to this janitor who works at a high school. And he doesn't say anything. He lives alone. He just kind of lives a sad lonely existence and it's not clear until the very end what that janitor has to do with um lucy and jake going to see jake's parents um but eventually you kind of get an idea i think that the book is way more clear on what all how this all ties together and the movie is a lot more ambiguous what do you think Hugo? yes
2: um yeah i, I have to be honest I, I i didn't i didn't really like this movie um <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I watched it like a week ago. Um, I I think there's elements of it that are just uh, absolute genius. Uh, the way they, yeah. the way, they, as you were saying, the way they they were they change things change, but but the movie doesn't point it out. I think that's that's brilliant. It's very I subtle. You, gotta, you have to the watch carefully. Performances it, yeah. are great. I think the mm-hmm. what the movie is trying to say and what it, what the story actually ends up being is great. But I found it to be. Incredibly self indulgent. indulgent. Um, It's two hours and fifteen minutes.
0: Twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, something like yeah. yeah."
2: And I think the same story could have been told in thirty, and it would have been an amazing short film. Yeah, like like I said, you could
0: you can read the book. You can read the book in about the same amount of time it takes you to watch the movie. Yeah, and you can tell. um, Again, I recommend both. Um, Um, I think that. It, you said that the themes I, I think that charlie kaufman there are a few people who can make movies better than him that are uh thought provoking while also be being emotionally resonant yeah while also being like wryly funny but also super yeah. depressing but also yeah. somewhat uplifting maybe i don't really know um so it, again but this is his more most probably surreal movie which is yeah. really saying something given the movies he's made my
3: thing, um my i thing think was, that, sorry go ahead if i
2: interrupt again um uh, with with Charlie Kaufman, my thing is and I it, this is not my thought, I have to credit Mark Mode. I don't know if you know him, he's a British film critic. Um, who, oh, yeah. who yeah, who reviewing this film and, and also review I think he said the same when he was reviewing key or whatever the pronunciation of it in New York was that Zeki, Charlie, yeah. key, whatever it was. But that Charlie Kaufman is at its best when his writing and his story and his genius ideas of storytelling are being mediated through another director. And I tend to agree with sure. that. I, I think the best stuff by Charlie Kaufman is the stuff that he wrote, but they didn't direct. Personally, at least. Mm. Um, I do the, think he, he gets... Roger, right. I think it's quite difficult for him to get out of his own head.
0: Not sure. out of his own uh, he's liter- way he's he's writ- well. He's written movies that literally take place inside people's heads. Multiple exactly. movies that take place yes. literally inside people's heads. Um, I'm actually in the Roger Ebert camp. Roger Ebert called Synecdoche, New York the best movie of the 2000s and uh, it was in his top 10 for the best movies ever made yeah. for a spell. And yeah. uh, I don't know if I'm that high on it, but uh, Synecdoche, New York is nearly a life-changing movie for me just mm-hmm. based on when I saw it and what that movie is. So that's a different conversation. Yeah. I think that I'm thinking of many things is it has an awful lot to say about uh, relationships, but also about loneliness mm-hmm. and solitude and regret and looking back at your life um grizz you said that the title you thought was about suicide it kind of is um or it could be again that's the, the the through line is more clear in the book it's less cl- it's more ambiguous in the movie um but it sounds like you the like that also, a- ambiguity like, i do um definitely uh i think again I like too, it, you have to watch carefully and you can i think you get out of the movie what you are willing to get out of the movie and what you know interesting um, it, the book is more overt, overt, overt horror and the movie is not really horror at all. Um, yeah. the third act of both the book and the movie take place at a high school and like, it's like pants shittingly scary in the book and it's kind of like whimsical <laughs> and something else in the movie. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, if you're willing to take this movie on its own terms, I think there's, I think it's really great. And, and I, definitely I have
1: seen it. that this movie is being referenced in a lot of lists for potential Oscar nominations. Um, yeah. do, do you think that would
0: actually kind of surprise me? Maybe, maybe for Jesse Buckley as yeah. the as the lead woman. I was gonna say um, also uh, her uh, Jake's parents are played by Tony Collette and David Lewis and some just bananas I mean, performances. Uh, they so just are both yeah. really going for it, yeah. and uh, great. a lot is asked of them. So and they really deliver. Some think, of the articles so.
1: I found this one was usually listed in honorable mentions. So like I mean yeah. you know like one of those ones that they think okay. is on the cusp of. But not being necessarily. in that category. So, like, you know, who knows? Maybe we will be. Mm.
3: Uh,
2: yeah. Okay, mm, let's do... The parents are brilliant. The parents are basically a Razorhead's parents, if you've seen that movie, and it's great. Let's do... She really goes good. number one. My number one is the other Pixar movie that released this year, Soul. Uh, just came out. Uh, I think it came out on Christmas Day. Um, and, yeah, I, ju- I just loved it. I, I'm i a huge fan of Pixar, and my favorite Pixar movies is are uh, the ones that uh, aren't just a cool story with beautiful animation uh the ones that try to to say something that, that it's a cliche everybody said that said this but the thing is that's great about pixar is that they make animated movies that a child can enjoy for the adventure and and, and the comedy and an adult can appreciate for what they're actually saying in the film and it's what makes them timeless um, it was it's what makes them timeless it's what makes them uh in my opinion the best western animation studio because their films mean something uh regardless of the age that you're watching them in, yeah. and they mean different things depending on the age that you're choosing except to for watch them. <laughs> yeah I, okay there are exceptions i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> they made they made a lot of movies they can't all be amazing um but yeah i think soul is a film that uh, starts out a little wonky i'm gonna say i think the, be- the re- very beginning of the film is brilliant because it's the story of joe gardner uh, this uh, burnt out uh, teacher he's uh, a sort of middle-aged black man who teaches in public school music he's a jazz musician who, a teacher, yeah. he, he teaches music but it, for him it's still a temp job he doesn't want to teach he wants to be a jazz musician and he just never got his big break in life, and so he's sort of stuck because he he doesn't want to teach. He doesn't want to get the stable job of teaching. He wants to be uh, a musician professionally. But at the same time, he's sort of in in, in you know he's middle aged. He he's sort of you know he's stuck there. He does he can't choose exactly what he wants. Well, he knows what he wants, but he also knows that at some point that dream is going to fade because he is not going to have time to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but then something happens and the bulk of the film is set in sort of an afterlife before life and it's about him as a spirit trying to i won't exactly say what happens although it is in the trailer uh trying to get back to his life and uh basically do have basically have the big break that he'd never managed to have throughout the uh, yeah. course of his life um
0: the trailer is only the first act yeah yeah, the
2: trailer doesn't really say much about the film, and the, the I think the trailer that's does good. not
0: reveal what this what this movie really is. Yeah, I think that's, I, that's, yeah, I like that's that. really good.
2: And yeah, um, the thing with the film that I didn't the only thing that I didn't like I thought uh, the film until the last twenty minutes to a half hour doesn't really reveal what it's actually about. I think it's a great story. It's an entertaining story with some uh, good, interesting messages, the very heartwarming messages. But it it's only at the end that it
1: really tells you what it's about. And I actually really liked that, that they that that yes, hit you with a that great message right Me at the end there.
2: It hits you at the end and, and at, at some point that there's, just, there's a moment in the film where there's this big impactful climactic scene and then the film continues. And it, it's in that continuation of the film that I think it, it becomes just perfect. And from there on out, it's, in my opinion, a masterpiece. And we were talking about it with my girlfriend because we've both seen it and uh, we were comparing it because it has similarities with Inside Out. It's the same director. Uh, We were saying how Inside Out resonated with me a bit more than it resonated with her. Uh, Well, Soul resonated more with her than Inside Out did because the type of, well, um, you know, sometimes everybody goes through stuff. Uh, the, the type of depression and sometimes anxiety that we both have is motivated by, motivated by different things. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, n- inside out tackles one type of depression, which is um, let's say apathy, I would say. And uh, soul tackles this idea that you feel purposeless in life and, and, and you feel like, oh, mm-hmm. the next big thing that's going to happen is the thing that's going to make me feel good about my life. And this is what Soul is about. But it it takes a while to get there. But when it gets there, it is just brilliant. I was crying like a child at the end. Uh, And also the voice performances, uh, Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey, both brilliant. They do these characters fantastically. I can't even explain what Tina Fey's character is because that would be a spoiler. Um, (laughs) But it's a movie about finding purpose in life and whether having a singular purpose in life is even the point. And... It's absolutely brilliant.
0: That's it. It is great. I love this movie also. It's 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 one of my favorites of the year. It's yeah. I think I have it at number six, but yeah. uh, it's, it's great. I think it's one of the best Pixar movies of the last... Uh, it's up there. is a higher tier Pixar for me, more so than uh, Onward. Our respect to Grizz. But yeah, yeah. I, I think this movie's amazing. I
1: agree. Well, Today was a, a yeah. bad day for me in terms of getting the picture set up because I even forgot to put in the picture for my number one movie of the year. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, but <laughs> no, uh, the... Uh, number one movie for me of the year was The Trial of the Chicago 7 directed by Aaron Sorkin Ooh. and that may be the reason alone why it's my favorite movie of the year because I love Mm-mm. Aaron Sorkin I he, every property yeah. that he has touched has been great to me uh, so but even beyond all that uh, I'll keep it brief because we've gone on pretty long but The Trial of Chicago 7 uh, again is a very poignant story for the time that we're in because it, it deals with uh, uh, racism. It deals with government over, overreach, uh, police brutality. All these, you know, all these things that have been so relevant in 2020. Uh, and again, this this movie has been in production for years uh, prior. So it's another one of those serendipitous things. Like, wow, this really came out at, at the right time. Uh, the cast is incredible. I honestly think that Sasha Baron Cohen. This is the best performance that he will ever do. Uh, I mean, granted, he's a comedian, but like this... this you know, he's playing a comedian in this movie, uh, but also a political activist. Kind of. Which is kind of what Sasha Baron Cohen is in a nutshell. In real life, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Right. Uh, it, it's casting on the level of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. It's that good casting for him in, in this world. Yeah. Uh, but it's also got Eddie Redmayne, uh, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton, Frank Langella, just great. Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong great cast Mm -hmm. and uh um, and the writing itself of course you know is very sorkin-esque although i will say it is probably uh one of the least sorkin-esque uh writing it's not it's not all uh banter it's not all back and forth all the time uh Mm. but it's still brilliant it's intelligent and it's fantastic that's my number one
0: uh one thing sorkin does really well particularly in the social network and in, in the social network and steve jobs and also in this movie is cross cutting between like the description of an event after the fact and also the event as it happens and like he does that here with like po- uh you know protests clashing with the police mm-hmm. and the trial discussing the protest clashing police and it's really 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 effective and uh probably a highlight of that movie for me for sure yeah it's fantastic
1: Okay. Uh, unless Hugo has anything yeah. we, he would like to add, let's we can uh, get Josh's D- number. I one. I don't. All right.
2: <laughs>
3: okay.
0: Uh, I I just want to say that I think that movie is great too. Uh, I love Sorkin, and um, that'll probably get a bunch of supporting actor nominations. Yes. I would think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come <laughs> Oscar season.
2: Because they're all supporting actors. Yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. There wasn't one <laughs> main character. And
0: uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not really big on Eddie Redmayne, but uh, he was fantastic in that. So the fact that he they could take a, an actor that I don't really care for and, mm-hmm. and make him. The oscars and, love him you know, the way, so, they do oscars know. love eddie redman he did he did yes they do which is maybe part of why i don't care much. <laughs> <laughs> if i'm being completely honest Fair um enough. i shouldn't <laughs> let that affect my opinion anyway okay my number one my number one movie that i saw this year is a it's called never rarely sometimes always it is uh it premiered at sundance and opened theatrically for like a minute before the world shut down in march um, yep. And it's currently available to stream on HBO Max in the United States, at least. Um, yep. It's written and directed by Eliza Hittman. Uh, wonderfully written and wonderfully directed. And uh, it is about a 17-year-old girl named Autumn who lives in rural Pennsylvania who gets pregnant and goes to New York with her cousin to seek an abortion. And that's, that's it. That's the whole movie. Um, it is very procedural. Yeah. like a lot of the movies her like packing up her stuff and figuring out how to get train tickets and figuring out where to stay in New York and that kind of stuff it's it's you know it's procedure over plot because you know it, it's a it's a goal oriented movie where it's just here's what I have to do and this is what I have to do to get it done um it is uh she encounters many roadblocks along the way as as you can imagine um that's kind of the whole point of the movie is how many roadblocks she encounters along the way um it's not very flashy uh like i said about Sonic metal it's almost documentary like even more so than son metal really yeah. um with the cinematography and the acting it's very subdued uh i realize this is a pretty hot button issue for a lot of people in american politics but it's it's not at all in your face not about america, politics at all not just america to be fair yeah but uh yeah it, yeah, yeah, it is a Theoretically, it's tangentially related to a hot button issue, but it is, it's, it's a pretty apolitical movie. It's just a very, it's very muted and just kind of like, this is what we have to do and this is what we have to do in order to, to do it. Um, and uh, there was a movie 13 years ago out of Romania um, about the same thing. It's called Four Months, Three Weeks, Two Days. And that's about, that takes place in Romania at a time when abortion was entirely outlawed and in that movie, two women have to seek a completely illegal abortion. Um, Yes, as opposed to this movie where it's just like, you know, it's not illegal, but it's just kind of hard to do because the many roadblocks that people put in place. Um, This movie borrows a lot from that Romanian movie. Uh, There's some visual homage um, and also some plot points. Um, In both movies, uh, again, this is uh, the girl Autumn and her cousin Skylar who go to New York together and they have to you know they have to do certain things in order to um get where they get and and do what they do and i won't spoil it but uh it kind of mirrors some things that must be done in the romanian movie as well mm-hmm. and um it kind of you know a it, it captures parallel. some yes some some dark parallels uh so you've seen both movies
2: Hugo? go no i i haven't but i i read because i it, it okay. isn't available yet here but i read reviews I, about okay i see I never really okay yeah well not looking forward to seeing it because it sounds devastating
3: right
0: um right it's it, it certainly captures some some sad realities about uh male female interaction and uh certainly some sad realities about being a woman in this country or in the world really um it's very subtle it's very brilliant it's harrowing at times um the uh the eponymous scene, so the scene where the title comes from, uh, you can guess that the, the title comes from a medical questionnaire that she receives at Planned Parenthood, you know, have you ever XYZ, never, sometimes, always. Um, that scene is absolutely devastating, probably the most devastating scene I've seen this year. Um, uh, the uh, Autumn is played by uh, Sydney Flanagan, a young actress who I've never seen anything else. She doesn't emote much. She plays her emotions pretty close to the chest uh, for good reason that we eventually learn, but she kinda opens up more in, in that questionnaire scene. And again, it's, it's devastating. And uh, I think that the movie, it, subtly at first and then more overt as the story goes on, it just kinda shows how women's bodies are not their own. And again, it, it's subtle at first and it gets more overt and more overt, more overt examples as you go on. And um, it's really brilliant. I think it's great and uh, I think that again it's it's a hot-button political issue and I get that but it um, it kind of shows the 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 humans behind a political issue you know what I mean I think that politics so often just gets talked about in these ideas and not in realities and it just kind of shows the reality and, and the people behind it and the consequences of of certain you know political ideas and uh, I think it's brilliant and subtle and devastating and uh, I really really recommend it
2: yeah and I, I don't know if you can confirm this but I read because I read a few reviews about it and what what they were saying was really brilliant about the film is that it sort of presents the situation and it doesn't there's no big speech there's no big well, well maybe there is but there's no big emotional no, scene that there's not. that you know tells you what the themes of the film are what it's trying to say it just presents it and the fact that there are so many roadblocks that it's so complicated for a young woman to you
0: know get an abortion
3: is
2: is the point
0: if an alien came down if an alien came down and watched this movie they would have no idea that this is about a political issue because it's it's a very apolitical movie it's just a straightforward statement of the situation it's a procedural movie yes it's it's a procedural thing it's a this is what we need to do and this is what we need to do in order to get it done and Um,
2: which sort of great. drives the point point home even stronger because yes it, poss- it 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 shouldn't be a political issue and that's maybe the point of the film um, i haven't seen it yet, of course but you know well so I'll, i still see it
1: even after seeing possible. 450 movies in the last year i still have a lot of homework to do <laughs> <laughs> well my my homework is easier cuz i have a i have a 12
0: minute movie to watch you yeah. i mean this movie is long but <laughs>
1: All right. Well, uh, let's let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, any last thoughts?
2: No. Um, I think. twenty twenty is over. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll talk about we'll talk a bit more about twenty twenty next week. Um, I don't know if we want to say already what. Her, what well, our yeah. Topic so I mean, is, next next
1: week we're going to be talking about our uh, most anticipated movies for twenty twenty one and of course a lot of those are going to be movies that we were anticipating in 2020 so I'm sure we will talk about (laughs) 2020 some more next week as well but our film to remember is going to be Ma Rainey's Black Bottom uh, which is on uh, again on all the lists for potential Oscar nominations Uh, so uh, we thought that would be a good pick it's a movie that came out in 2020 but uh, it's going to be really important that you watch it for 2021 (laughs) Uh, so if you guys Correct. would please, it's on Netflix, and it is on Netflix, on Netflix yeah. If if you, everyone would please like, subscribe, share, comment, you know, get the word out about us, we'd we'd really appreciate that. I also would really appreciate comments, you know, if you're watching, if you want to share what your favorite movie of 2020 was, I would I would love to read that. Uh, and uh, yes, we'd... reach
2: out to us privately if you want. To.
1: Right. Hopefully, if you know us from Facebook, if you are a friend <laughs> uh, from
2: Facebook, <laughs> give us feedback. <laughs>
1: Uh, So uh, we hope you'll join us again next week uh, with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and then our 2021 Most Anticipated Movies. Until then, we will see you next time.